For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much. Welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade, and I'm just here to ask the questions, of course, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. First off, Randy, how you doing this fine Saturday morning? I'm doing wonderful. Just had a really good swim and run this morning, and I'm feeling on the top of the world. <laughs> you are, I know we, we joked off the air, you are a specimen, and I know that Jake laughed. <laughs> You're a specimen of health, Randy, and I think a good example for what we should be doing later on in life. So anyway, uh, I hope our listeners take that to heart. And Jake, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing good. As I said last week, and I'm continuing to do, I'm enjoying this this cool weather in the yeah. morning. We had a four handle on the first part of the uh, wow. <laughs> the weather here several times <laughs> this last week in the 40s. And so yeah. it's very, very nice and just, just grateful that we live in the last bastion of sanity. Yeah, we never want to take that for granted. And I'm with you. I really enjoy this time of the year. Particularly, I associate this with apple orchards and cider and, you know, just Halloween. It is a great time of the year. A lot of things to talk about. Of course, guys, this inflation just will not go away. But let's talk about what's on people's minds today. Gentlemen, the market is in panic mode again, isn't it? Yeah, the market has been uh, really running away here with itself recently. So, you know, again, what it is, is there's just so much more uncertainty than ever before. One of the things that, you know, the stock market likes and people like and business likes in general is a clear path forward where they don't see changing environments like we have with interest rates being spiked right now with people having a hard time getting employees and wages going up. You know, last week we had a major company say, hey, we're effectively doubling our people's wages. And, mm -hmm. you know, as long as we got that sort of thing going on, it's got to continue to put pressure on the economy pressure on the Fed. And so there's just a whole lot pulling on this uh, market and the economy right now. Well, we had a lot of ups and downs. Uh, will we continue to have these sort of ups and downs in the near future? Do you see any stabilization to this sort of market? You know, Jeff, I think we're probably due for another one of those bear market rallies that we talked about before. You know, we're, we're a little bit oversold. That's a technical term, just meaning we've gone too far down too fast. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking for a little bit of a bounce. You know, it, it tried to bounce a little bit this week. But just make no mistake, this is still not over. You know, and I think there's people that we talked to that I said that to in June that we're probably questioning whether I was sane or not uh, <laughs> as the market went up in July. But here we are back down at new lows this last week. And I think we're probably, again, due for a little bit of a bounce, but this is not going to be the eventual low here. There's just not been enough pain yet, but it may be a good opportunity to make some changes to your portfolio if you want to uh, mitigate some of the down looking forward. And I think that's one of the things that we'll talk about here today is maybe get a second opinion on mm -hmm. what you're doing, either in your 401k or whatever your current investment strategy is, because contrary to popular belief, you don't just have to sit there and watch it lose money. What does the bottom look like necessarily? We haven't seen that yet. 
You know, the bottom is going to take different forms, but usually to find a bottom, you hear this word thrown around on the news called capitulation. Right. Okay. And what that means is where everything kind of gets thrown out with the bathwater. That's that's usually where the bottom is. So you don't have these certain stocks that are that are doing better than others, like Apple has done relatively well this year relative to the rest of the market. When people are like, you know what, I'm not going to take any more. Get me out no matter what the price is. And so the more we see people throw in the towel, the closer we are to the bottom. And I don't think there's been, again, on a relative basis to 2009 or to 2020 even, we haven't seen that indiscriminate selling that we normally see when you form a bottom. And and again, I think it's just because we haven't felt the pain yet. We're anticipating the pain, right? It's kind of like when you go get your shot at the doctor, if you get a tetanus shot or right. you know that kind of thing, and you see the needle coming, and, and so you, you kind of wince because you know it's going to hurt, but it hasn't actually hurt yet. And I think that that's kind of where we're at in this economy where we're creating some pain in the markets, but the problem hasn't actually taken hold yet. And I think that that is definitely coming. And, you know, the Fed themselves have said that they expect, quote unquote, pain Mm -hmm. in the jobs market. So we're still really in one of the strongest jobs markets, as you discussed earlier, that we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And until that changes, wages will not stop going up. If wages go up and people just simply have 20, 30, 40% more money, that means the price of everything is going to go up 20, 30, 40% more. And if that keeps happening, it's another term we hear on the news sometimes is a wage price spiral. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what that means is, is because wages are going up, prices go up. Because prices go up, wages go up. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. And so the Fed has to break the jobs market in order to fix that. And it's not going to be pleasant. Since we're on that jobs topic at this point, Jake, I mean, right now, unemployment is at historic lows. But do you see job losses coming on the horizon any time in the near future? You know, Jeff, we're already seeing the jobs losses right now. We're not seeing it where the average person is going to notice just yet. Mm-hmm. But in fact, actually, this last week uh, was my birthday. And for my birthday, oh, we were going to have Taco Bell breakfast because they have a they have a little crunch wrap thing for breakfast yeah. that I like to have. So we go over there and they open at 8. And so I'm in the drive-thru at 7.59. I'm waiting in the <laughs> drive-thru because that's just roughly what time I get done dropping my son off. Right. And so... I'm in the drive-thru, and the guy comes on, and he says, he says, thank you for choosing Taco Bell. Unfortunately, we will be unable to serve you today because we are short-staffed. Oh, my gosh. And so we're, we're not open, basically. Wow. So that kind of stuff is happening. It, it's almost becoming normal to us where people are so short-staffed that they can't serve you, or it takes a lot longer to get service than it maybe should. I think that's a good gauge, though, as to where we're at. When you start seeing that stopping and where people actually want to work and are looking for work again, I think then we can gauge that we're closer to the bottom. But right now, when people literally can't hire people at any price, even though they're throwing money and benefits at them, right. um, it shows you we're just not there yet. Well, you know, this mystery persists here, too. I don't think we've ever come up with an answer for it, but I wonder those people who do not want a job, doesn't it take money to live and survive? <laughs> what are they doing? Where do they get this money from? Who's supporting them? Yeah, I I get that, Jeff. I don't know exactly how that works. My parents, I can't move back in with them at this point. (laughs) So I'm going to have to keep my job, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I I have asked myself the same question, how people are going about getting it done. And, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting because of how 
flighty, you know, some of these employees are. A lot of these restaurants and things have gone to daily pay. Yeah, they actually pay people every day because they know, well, they probably won't be back tomorrow, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. So it's just really interesting, the position that we're in. But like Jake said, it it will eventually get there. Now, there's a lot of people screaming right now out on the TV shows and all that. And some people that are pretty learned people, you know, like Jeremy Siegel got out there a few days back and he said, you know, I think the Fed has gone too far too fast and the economy's in free fall and we're in trouble, you know. Well, he may be right. It may be that we don't see the evidence of it yet, but I don't think that we're quite there yet, like Jake said. I think we're going to have to see some real pain. One of the things we do know is globally demand for oil is down, so that commodity is is losing its price resilience or price upside that it had for a while. So again, as we see all this stuff come together to form the, this is going to sound horrible, the perfect negative. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's where we got to get to. And, and there, you know, there's a lot of different forecasts on how far down the S&P 500 may be. Some people are forecasting 3,200. There's a few people forecasting below 3,000 into the 2,600 range. I hope that's not the case. That is a long ways from here. But uh, certainly the macro trend of the market going down is not over. And that's why we really need a plan to account for that stuff. Because I think that, you know, 2600 sounds really scary. But if we have the right plan in place, it doesn't have to be that scary. Will money go down a little bit? Yes, it will. But it will not be an unrecoverable problem like it will be for some people who have all their money at risk. When I take my evening walks, a lot of my neighbors know what I do, so they will uh, ask me financial questions once in a while. And they keep telling me consistently one thing, you know, as far as their investing goes. They say, well, this is uh, temporary, but I'm going to wait and I'm going to invest when it's all over with. But I ask them the question and I'll ask you the question as well, too. How do we know when it indeed is over? How do we know when we've hit the bottom? So nobody can really know for sure that we've hit the bottom. But there's a couple of things that we can look at that are going to have to happen before we can realistically put the bottom in. One we already talked about, which is the jobs market has to change a little bit. Another one that's that's coming in right now as we speak that is in the process of working itself out is the housing market. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of areas throughout the country, again, we're not seeing it as much here yet, but a lot of areas, they're having price drops. You know, The builders are starting to have trouble. The housing market just went way too high too fast, and interest rates went up too high too fast to allow it to continue. And so we're going to see some more pain there. But lastly, and maybe the most the most obvious and maybe the easiest one to see is when the Federal Reserve turns around the other direction. And so right now, all the talk is about interest rates need to go higher. Policy needs to be more restrictive. We need to make it harder to get money. We need to increase the cost of capital. When he changes that and he goes the other way and says, well, I think we're at the top. I think we might, you know, in six months or eight months, we may start going the other way may start cutting rates. We'll definitely want to be invested for that because it will it'll be what what's known in the industry as a technical term, a rip your face off rally <laughs> is what will happen when he does that. And uh, and the market will go stupid and it will go quick. And um, what we don't want to do is wait for that to happen because we will have missed a significant portion of it. But when we get sufficiently low, we can start to put money to work knowing that a year from now, you know, we're going to be glad that we did, even if we don't get the exact bottom. 
Well, America, as we said before, and I'm going to cap this off by saying that we are a resilient bunch of people. I know that we will get through this. It's just a matter of time as to uh, when the end is going to come. We're talking with Randy Jake here of Floyd Financial Group right here in Springfield. If you'd like to get in and sit down with Randy and Jake, talk about your individual situation. I think the takeaway from this segment has been that you can weather almost any financial storm if you have a proper financial plan. And we're offering a no-cost, no-obligation, no-judgment financial plan with Randy and Jacob Floyd Financial Group this weekend. To get yours, call 417-889-7233. No time like the present to sit down and have a conversation with Randy and Jake. Make sure you're on the right financial path to welcome in 2023. Did I say that? 2023 already? It's going to be upon us here in just about three months or so. So be prepared for it with a financial plan. As I said, no-cost, no-obligation, 417-889-7233. 7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Randy and Jake with Show Me the Money. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to talk about how to retire in a pensionless world. Yeah, boy, isn't that scary. I remember years ago, and we've talked about this before, my parents and aunts and uncles and things, they had basically a two-legged retirement stool, but it was pretty solid. It was pretty steady. They had Social Security and they had a pension. And then if you added in a little part-time job, you had a third leg there. But these days, I'm telling you, a lot of people do not have pensions. So the question is, how do we retire in a pensionless world? What are some of the ways that we can create a pension for ourselves? Let's start there. Sure thing. You know, it's interesting, Jeff, that we're talking about this. Of course, you know, uh, what, a week or two ago, we did a whole set of shows or just a whole show, I should say, on pensions and how they work. And do I take a lump sum? Do I take the pension? How do we look at all that? And the thing we have to realize is 85% of the people that are listening to this show probably do not have a pension. About 15% is all that's left. Mm -hmm. So really, we're talking to the bulk of people out there when we talk about retiring in a pensionless world. And really, it's something we do every day. But you know, the thing that people really liked about a pension was they felt safe, Right. right? They felt like that they were always going to have some money coming in to supplement their Social Security and that sort of thing. And so in today's world, most of us boomers, you know, running around out here, there's a few of us that still have pensions. And some of those pensions, while they are still there, but they're not as great as they used to be. Now, if you work for, you know, the government, either that state or federal government, uh, in many cases around here, you still have pensions. And then we still have a few companies around here in Springfield that offer those. But for most people, they're retiring today on Social Security, and whatever they've saved in their 401k or in their savings accounts or their investment accounts over their lifetime. So it's really quite a different place. You know, in 1974 was when ERISA, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, was passed. And that formed the 401k, the IRA, and all these things that we use for retirement today. That formed the rules and regs for those things. And then about 1997 came along the Roth IRA. And those are what people have to rely upon today to retire. So really what happened was, and this is this is just really what happened, we shifted the responsibility of people's retirement from the company to the employee is really what happened. 
And so we used to have what was called defined benefit plans. Mm-hmm. There's still a few out there. We knew what we were going to get basically in the end if we put in our 30, 40, or 50 years. Now we have what's called defined contribution plans. We know how much we can contribute, but based on the market and market volatility and what happens in economies directly affects what we're going to have in retirement. We're talking about what to do if you don't have a pension with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group. So if you do not have a pension, as you said, 85% of the people in this country and listening to this program do not have pensions. What are some pension substitutes that we can turn to that will act similar to pensions, maybe not exactly the same, but will maybe give us the same benefit, a monthly income for life? Sure. So what we want to talk about here, Jeff, is there's a multifaceted approach that we want to take. We always want to be diverse. You know, one of the things that we have learned through this pandemic and through what we're going through now, trying to right the ship from printing all the money and putting everybody out of work and wrecking the supply chain during the pandemic is that, you know, there is really no completely safe haven, right? So we have to really be sure that as we look at developing our plan, that's number one, where Wherever you are right now today, if you are working and trying to figure out, you know, life in general, whether you're 25 or 65, you need to have a plan as to how things are going to work out. You know, it's been said that people will spend more time planning a vacation than they will the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so and so it's one of those things that while sometimes we're not really excited about figuring the next 15 or 20 years or even the next 10 years of our life, it's something that we really need to sit down and think about. And we really need to have a direction that we're going to go. And again, it always goes back to the same thing that we talk about here every week is we've got to have a plan. And that plan needs to be diverse because as we have seen, interest rates were very, very low for a long time and bank CDs paid basically nothing for the longest time. Now they're starting to pay some as the Fed funds rate has started to increase. We've seen that, you know, precious metals had their place at one time, commodities had their place at one time, you know, oil and gas, you know, utilities, consumer staples, consumer cyclical and all the the stuff that we spend when we have uh, extra money, those companies do well. So we always have to be in a position where we can pivot and make sure that we can take advantage of the best asset classes at the time. You know, I didn't mention real estate. That certainly falls in there. But I would say this for most people, real estate really takes time to develop and time to really make good spendable returns. So while it can be a portion, yes, and maybe soon here after we have our correction in real estate, there may be some really good opportunities there in real estate. But I think the biggest thing is we need to have a diversified approach. And to answer your question more directly, there are some things we can do to hedge the market and create what I would call a personalized pension. So Randy, what are some of the things that you can do to help people create a personalized pension? Yeah, so Jeff, when we look at creating this pension, what do we want to look at? We, we know that people have gone out, they've worked 25, 35, 45, 50 years, and all that savings that they have got out there in place, we now have to make sure that when we turn on the income and create that personal pension, that we're not going to spend that money down, that we're not going to take too much risk, and that it's going to be there to fund the retirement for both of the of the spouses. And finally, if, if one passes first, to be sure and cover uh, what has to happen as far as income needs, because we will lose some basic income when the first person passes. So a combination, I would say, of some really safe investments, things that are fixed interest maybe, and, and some that are tied to the market, but give us some downside risk mitigation, it would be in order. 
and then also some straight up market money to play when things are right. And then maybe eventually there will be a time here, and I say eventually, actually we're probably right around the corner from where it might make sense to actually have some bonds again in a retirement portfolio. So it's a combination of those things. And you know, there's two ways to buy insurance on your portfolio that you have for retirement. One is to buy straight up options and and try to play it that way. And most people really don't want to get into doing that sort of thing. Another way is to hire a company or somebody to do that for you. And there's many setups that allow us to mitigate downside risk while being able to take advantage of market upturns and, and profits when they come in. And you know, by a combination of all those things, we can come up with a pension plan that works in all kinds of weather. And I don't want to call it a pension plan because it's really not a pension plan, but call it a personal pension plan because right. it's certainly personal to you and you want it to come in every month just like a pension. Right. <laughs> and when I think of a pension, I think of just, a, you know, some sort of monthly income, basically Social Security, things like that to me or pensions. Well, they're, they're like pensions because they come every month. But when I think of pension substitutes, sometimes I think of annuities. I know some people don't like annuities, but could a... For example, a fixed index annuity be a pension substitute. It absolutely can be. I met a guy years ago when I was first getting into this business. I went up to sit down with him because when you first get licensed in the securities business, you have to have a sponsor, Mm -hmm. okay? Somebody that's already licensed, somebody that's already with a broker dealer or a registered investment advisory firm has to bring you on board and kind of take you under their wing. So I went up to see this guy. It was in Jeff City. And I walked up there and I to see this guy. And I'll never forget it. I went in to see him and he was sitting behind his desk and he had on a sweatsuit. I mean, that, okay. that was it. He looked like Rocky Balboa. <laughs> you know, sitting yeah. behind. And I'm thinking... And I had a tie on, of course, and everything, yeah. right? And I'm thinking, this guy didn't even dress up for me. What is mm, that about? Yeah. So anyway, he lays back and he says, well, I'll tell you right now, unless you're willing to insure some of your client's retirement money, I don't want to work with you. So I'm thinking, okay. So he said, hey, you insure your house, you insure your car, you insure your health. Why would you not insure your financial health? Mm-hmm. And so it really kind of made sense to me. Now, we have to be careful with that because let's talk about insurance in general. Do you really love paying insurance premiums, Jeff? I don't love it, but to me, it's somewhat of a necessity. But no, I don't like it. It is. It's one of those things where sometimes people will come in, we'll talk about long-term care. And they say, well, you know, I don't really need it yet. I said, well, yeah, it's kind of like car insurance. If you need it, you've had a wreck. You can't go buy it then. You have to kind of get it ahead of time. But here's what I will say. There are many setups for annuity contracts. And we have to be really selective and really get underneath the hood and understand how each of these things work. Because most times, and I mean most of the time, you'll end up getting shortchanged in the annuity contract to the upside. And if you buy a variable annuity, sometimes to the downside, along with the internal costs that go along with that. Now, there are some setups that we use here where we have ultra low cost, and we have tremendous upside potential. Many of these uh, fixed index annuities, which will all give you downside risk mitigation to zero, really. You don't have any downside risk if the market goes down. The problem is they're gonna cap you at three, four, maybe 5%. So when the market goes up, 10%, 10%, you're capped at 3, 4, or 5. Market goes up 20%, you're capped at 3, 4, or 5. 
we want to choose something that's going to give us a participation rate. Rather than giving us a lid, pay me 50%, pay me 60% of what the market's going to go up or pay me, my client, pay us what, you know, what that looks like on the S&P. So if the S&P is up, you know, 10%, we want to be up 5% if we can. If the S&P is up 20%, we want to be up 12% if we can. By using a participation rate, that's the way it's going to work out in that area. And we can get complete downside risk mitigation. So that will give us the ability to have a lifetime of income. Secondly, there's some products out there that are called registered index linked annuities called RILAs right. uh, as an acronym. So the RILAs give us a little bit more upside, you know, upwards of maybe 20% per year and can give us between 10, 15 and 20% downside risk protection, meaning this. So Jeff, let's say today we put money in there and the market goes down 20% and I have a RILA with a 20% buffer. At the end of that year, I take a zero. I didn't lose any money. I didn't make any money, but people straight up in the market are down 20%. I also get a reset at that point to where I start to make money from that new reset. While everybody else is trying to clean up spilled milk and get back to even, we are stacking money. So there's lots of ways to actually insure a portion of your retirement. And I will tell you this too, there's no lockup times on that. That money's 100% liquid all the time. And by using market money, bond money, maybe some RILA money, and maybe the correct fixed index annuity, which there are not very many that I would call correct because, again, most of them are going to put a lid on our earnings and we can't afford that. But by using a blend of all the asset classes, and maybe it's gold at some point, you know, inside a market portfolio, we don't really believe much in holding physical gold and that sort of thing because we like to be able to get in and out and not have to pay somebody to buy it and pay somebody to sell it. We're trying to keep costs low in retirement. But by blending all those things together, come really good market times or really bad market times, we'll be able to survive it and keep paying that monthly paycheck that really can become like a personal pension. We're talking about pension substitutes with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. Even though the pension is scarcely uh, offered nowadays, there are a lot of uh, options for your savings to thrive uh, to and through retirement. But I think it is really critical to have guidance on which decisions are the right ones for you when it comes to pension substitutes. To get the answers to your questions about pension substitutes, again, get in touch with Randy and Jake Floyd at Floyd Financial Group with a no-cost, no-obligation financial plan. To get yours, 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. Do it today. You're listening to Show Me the Money. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money Radio with your host, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to talk about something that, you know, has been, we've talked about it a lot in the past here, and it's becoming a situation where we're going to maybe change our thought process on bonds for the future, okay? Uh, B-O-N-D-S. B-O-N-D-S. So what kind of bonds are you talking about? Are you going to chain us down or what? No, we're not going to, we're not going to, not bondage, but we're talking, bonds. we're talking about bonds and investments. So basically what, when we look back over our shoulder, you know, and, and everybody today, I think is more and more attuned with the fact that we have a federal reserve, you know, chairman, and we got these federal reserve banks around the country that are always trying to figure out how to set interest rates and what 
needs to happen there. So when we look back over our shoulder, we know Paul Volcker really set interest rates on their ear back in the late 70s and through the early 80s. We were up to as high as 15% on 10-year Treasury bonds. That's the debt of the country. They have, You give the uh, country or the Treasury Department your money for a period of time. They agree to pay you a certain amount of interest on that, and at the end, they give your money back. So basically, you could go out and you could buy a fixed income instrument that would pay 15%. How would you like that right now, Jeff? Oh, I would love that. <laughs> Where do I sign up? <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Yeah. And then what happened is over the next 40 years between 1981 and, and like August of 2020, that instrument that paid 15% went to where it paid 0.53%. So any time that we had a bond that we bought yesterday, looking back from 1981 through August of 2020, because rates were falling and the bond I bought yesterday paid more interest than the bond I bought today, the one I bought yesterday was always worth more money. So not only did I get the interest payment, but I got appreciation in the value of that instrument that I bought. So I might have paid $1,000 for it and it might be worth 1050 even after they've paid me my interest income. So that was really a good thing, and bonds got a really good name in retirement portfolios. And then we had the change in the wind, if you will. The Federal Reserve came in and said, well, you know, it's time to start raising interest rates. And so as interest rates go up, any bonds that anybody bought in the last few years are going to start to get devalued because, Mm -hmm. you know, now if I can go buy a 3% bond and you have a bond that pays 2%, well, you know, my bond commands a bigger price or yours gets to get discounted is really what happens. So your 2% bond would have to be discounted to where it would equal the yield at the current rate. So right now, what we're seeing is with the Federal Reserve raising rates, raising rates, raising rates, we're seeing two-year bonds now paying 4%. Now, we have to be careful. We could go in there and we could buy those, but the Fed is going to raise rates, we think, another three-quarters of a percent coming up here soon. And not to get too far off into the weeds here, but you know, one of the things that we're thinking of doing here as we see this next uptick, and we're watching a lot of data, we're trying to see what's going on with gross domestic product. We're looking at what's going on with consumer demand. We're looking at what's going on with unemployment. All of those different things. It may be time to stick our toe in and maybe pick up some 4% money on a bond where we really are not going to lose much money and has very low market volatility. So that may be a move that we're looking to make. And we know this too, that as the Federal Reserve starts to slow down and ease off on raising these rates and they start to go the other way or they flatten out, that will be a situation where the market will start to perk up again and money will start to flow back out of bonds, maybe not in real short order, but pretty quickly. It just depends on what the Fed is doing and how fast they're moving interest rates down. Then it'll be time to go back into the stock market and feather in there with some dollar cost averaging. So just remember this. We had a time where bonds were just not a good investment. The yields were low. Rates were going to go up. You were probably going to just lose money. The value of your bond was going to go down. But that has changed and is changing. And so in the future, bonds will probably be an investment we will own probably in the next six months to a year, maybe sooner than that, maybe even the next six to eight weeks. Well, as you said, we've been beaten up for the last six to nine months uh, in so far as bonds go, but uh, things are changing a little bit. Time to maybe dip your toe back in the water, as you said. What are some of the key questions that our investors or our listeners should ask before investing in bonds? You know, I think that especially in this market, Jeff, one of the reasons why bonds look attractive is because people are going to run to safety at some point here. 
But we have to remember that they're running to safety for a reason. And so we need to be careful what kind of bonds that we buy because there will be companies, if we're buying bonds that are corporate bonds or bonds that are dead of a company, we need to make sure that we're not taking too much risk on that company. Meaning if that company goes out of business, we could lose some money or all of our money potentially. So we need to be investing in companies that are not fledgling companies. We need to invest in bonds that are, you know, that have good cash flow and are likely to weather the storm well. Government bonds, right? So there's a lot of, we can invest in U.S. government bonds, but we can also invest in international government bonds, which I am not a huge fan of into this environment we're coming into, as I imagine. A lot of people listening to this would not be a fan of. I mean, I do not want to be investing in Europe when there's 30% inflation and a madman with his finger on a button right. uh, next door. I think that's just asking for trouble, especially making forward a 6% interest is just not enough reward to justify that kind of risk. So it's, it's important to know what you're buying, not to just blanketly buy bonds. You know, some of the other things we want to consider is, you know, if you have a higher income threshold, some municipal bonds could be a good idea because you could get federal tax exemption from those, meaning you don't pay tax on the interest of those bonds. Now, there's a lot more to consider there, so don't just take that and run with it. But these are the kinds of things that we can talk about when you come in for your plan to come in for a review. We will talk about all these different types of things. Again, one thing I want to add to what Randy said, which is there is a period coming where bonds are going to be attracted again, followed by a period where bonds are going to be horrible again. So the timing of all this is going to be very key. So to make it very as simple as I can make it, now that interest rates have lifted off the ground, there's room for interest rates to go back down, which is good for bonds. But once bonds get back down there again, we're going to be in the same boat we were in in January, where there's nothing to do except lose money. So I guess for all these different reasons, we just need to be careful and make sure we're thinking clearly. You know, one thing that should be considered if people are looking at bonds right now is you need to look at if you're going to actually go buy the bond versus buying a bond ETF or a bond fund of some sort, you need to be looking at what the duration of that bond fund is. Long-term bonds and long-duration bonds move much more quickly than short-term bonds and have much more violent movement in value. So one of the things that, that we're going to be looking at here right now is the fact that we have ultra-short bonds that have really pretty good yields right now, and so we'll probably take some positions in there where we can make some money along the way and yet still be in a position where we own it maybe in an ETF uh, or some type of a bond fund where we can get in and out really quickly and easily. So that's just something to consider. Yeah, I think also that now that you know interest rates are where they are, longer term bonds could have a very short period here where they could make a lot of money. They could make up a lot of what was lost at the beginning of this year. So as a trade, not as an investment, it could be possible to buy some longer-term bonds and get the price appreciation. However, that is playing with fire a little bit because if interest rates go higher, those things are going to get devalued further. So that's why we, we again, I know we always come back to this, but we got to have a plan. We have to have a plan in place. We have to have money that's designated to be safe, that can get you income. That way, when we're taking some of these riskier investments, you know, we're not gambling with retirement. 
We're talking about bonds with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. Are bonds right for your portfolio? Well, to get the answer to that question, call 417-889-7233. Sit down with Randy and Jake. Ask your questions about bonds. Anything else that's on your mind about getting to and through retirement. No cost, no obligation. Most importantly, there is no judgment. As Randy has said many times, Jake has also said it, we will meet you where you are. There are no technical minimums at Floyd Financial Group. 417-889-7233 to get your no-cost, no-obligation financial plan. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Thank you so much for joining us here on this fine Saturday morning for Show Me the Money. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd. We're here along with Jake. And to kind of wrap up today's show, we're going to be talking about, you know, what does it look like to come in and sit down with Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group? What is that? What's that look like? And I'll just tell you, Jeff, we have a five-step program that really kind of helps get us it helps us to get to know the client, helps the client to get to know us, and we, it takes us down a very predetermined path to really help people figure out retirement. That's right, Randy, and we can't talk about this enough. I know we've talked about it in the past, but it is worth reiterating here, and when you call 417-889-7233, you're probably going to speak with Ashley. She is one of the loveliest persons that I have ever met in my life, and it doesn't seem that Ashley ever has a bad day, so you'll be in contact with her first. She'll set an appointment for you when you come in, Ashley will more than likely greet you with a smiling face. She'll have a little uh, something for you to drink. If you want some cookies, she probably got a few of those in the drawer as well, too. But once she greets you and then you come back to talk to uh, you or Jake, that's where the five steps start. And it starts with discovery. So what is discovery? So discovery, Jeff, is just basically getting to know the client and finding out what's important to them. You know, everybody has a different idea of retirement. For some people, it's playing golf every day. Hmm. For others, it's out there fishing every day. For me, if some people like me, it's, you know, riding bikes, it's running, it's swimming, it's punishing yourself every day. <laughs> it's, I should say challenging, challenging. yourself there you go. every day is probably what it is. Right. Depends uh, on the day. Yeah, it does depend on the day. Some days are better than others. Right. But, you know, we want to make sure that we're we're hitting on, on what's important to them, you know. And, you know, I have some people that, that came in just the other day, and they said, you know, really, for us, we just like to go down and see our grandkids mm-hmm. over and over. You know, that's what they like to do. Right. I've often said, you know, I love my kids. I said, but I don't know, man, the grandkids are the best, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just But so anyway, there's just many, many different things that are important to people. But we want to learn what that is and, you know, learn about them and then let them learn about us. And so during that time frame of discovery, they can ask us all kinds of questions. And we Mm -hmm. tell people here, you know, we're an open book. We're a registered investment advisory firm. We don't really have any secrets. We don't want to have any secrets from you. We want you to know exactly what we do and how we do it. So that's really the discovery phase where we can kind of both learn about each other and then we'll go into step two. Yeah, and that's a very casual conversation, too. As you said, you ask about people personally, where you're from, what you like to do, to get a handle on uh, what sort of person that you're dealing with. And as you said, it is a two-way conversation. I mean, everybody's free to ask you any questions that they want to. But then you get down to what this one lady called the scary money stuff. I guess not really the scary money stuff, but you're going to be talking about the thing that comes after discovery, and that is going to be the analysis. What do you need to bring in for you to analyze what people have? 
Sure. So when Ashley schedules the meeting for people to come in and sit and talk with us, she's going to send out a confirmation letter or a confirmation email, whichever people really prefer. Generally, it's a letter. And in that letter, she includes a list of items that would be good if you could bring them to the first meeting. What we really want to do is try to make it as productive as as possible for everybody. Now, let me just say this. It's not that we're in a hurry. Mm -hmm. In fact, you will find and people do find that we're the most methodical. We're very deliberate and slow about what we do here because here's the thing. We do this sort of work every day. Most people retire once in a lifetime, right? So when you come in for step two, which is basically when we get to step two, which is analysis, we're just going to find out, you know, where people worked, how much money they've saved, do they have a pension? We're going to look at Social Security and see what kind of income they're going to have from there. We're also going to find out what a budget requirement is for them. And not that we're trying to put people on a budget and, you know, cut their purse strings. What we're trying to do is really find out what they need to live a comfortable retirement. And the reason that we have to do that is most people, as they've raised their kids, and paid off their kids' college debt and all that, and they've paid off their house maybe and all that, and they're ready to retire, they really haven't thought about a budget in a little while because they're probably making more money than they've ever made before in their life, and they haven't really needed to budget. So all we're really trying to do is identify the number that they need to be able to go out and live their retirement the way they want to. So through analysis, we learn about the financial side and just what the requirements are for that couple. We also are going to look at you know what their investments are currently and see how they're doing. Are they getting adequate returns for the risk that they're taking? And we also do a little stress testing that says, hey, you know, if we have a really bad bear market, this is kind of what you could expect to happen based on your current setup. And then uh, from there, we would go into step three after that, which is the planning stage. We've done discovery. We've done analysis. And next comes laying out a financial plan. What is involved with that? So basically what happens once we know people and find out what's important to them and really understand them, we look at their current situation and then we go out and we apply the knowledge and the different setups that we have here at Floyd Financial Group to see if we can actually develop for them. I call it a better mousetrap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. In other words, let's see if we can perform a little better and suck a little less when things are <laughs> bad, right? <It's, laughs> and then come up with a plan that's going to sustain these people. This is the most important part right. that's going to sustain these people through all types of market volatility. Even now, you know, we have with the market being down probably 23% year to date on the S&P 500, with a lot of our plans, our clients are down a third to half that amount not that full amount. So all of a sudden, now when we take these downturns, it's not hard to recover and we can still live out of our money and be okay. And even if it takes a couple of years for this to pass, we still know we're going to be okay and the market will rally back and we'll be able to gain back and probably hit new highs with their money so that we're not spending their money down over their lifetime. So that planning process is where we put all those things together and Jake and I prepare a spreadsheet and that spreadsheet basically just talks about where all their income is going to come from. We want it to be very clear and concise for them mm-hmm. to really know how things are going to flow and kind of what is going to happen to their retirement nest egg as they're moving through retirement. Yeah, and I really love the fact that you do that. I mean, when your clients leave there or they take a look at that, they know that your plan has been specifically designed for them and there's a lot of thought that goes into that total transparency. That's what I love. So discovery, analysis, planning. The next one is implementation. What's involved with that? So basically, Jeff, what we do at this point, and, and you know, it may be, and I want to I want to kind of broach this subject with people, it may be that this is, it could be meeting number three, it could be meeting number four. 
you know, we don't charge for any of these meetings. We feel like, you know, if we deliver value and they become clients, you know, we're going to get paid that way. But we don't need to, you know, charge people to sit down and talk. I think we need to bring some value. And we'll never say to you, hey, are you ready to get started or what? Generally, what happens is after we've talked to people and they've gotten all their questions answered, it just kind of morphs into this thing. They say, well, so what do we need to do to get started? And so that's where implementation comes into play. And at that point in time, we have Taylor and we have Zach here that are our back of the house people that help us prep all that paperwork. And then Jake and I and, and, and they will sit down and we will actually handle all the paperwork to start transferring monies from 401ks or wherever it might be, brokerages, savings accounts, it comes from all different sources. We'll get all that money transferred in, get it repositioned. And if it's time, if they're retiring right now, we'll start their income. We'll make sure they get their logins all set up so they can see their investments and things all the time. One of the things I always tell people, you know, we never have custody of your money here. We don't want custody. Right. Bernie Madoff could make off with yeah. people's money <laughs> because, because he had, he had, he had custody. custody. Right. And we never have that. It's going to be at some place, a professional custodian, you know, like a TD Ameritrade. Charles Schwab, people that do it for a living so that they know their money is safe. But we do all that. We don't create any big tax whoopies. If you've got 401ks and IRAs mm-hmm. that transfer over, we transfer those over to where it doesn't create any taxation. And then we get the plan implemented and we get everybody set up, get incomes done, get logins done, all that sort of thing. And then the next step is we set up our first 90-day review, which is the monitoring process. That's step five of the plan. Now, when you monitor, is this something that you do on a regular basis? I mean, do you check in once a month? What exactly is monitoring? So basically, it depends on the asset class that people own. But for the most part, Jake and I are pretty much every day, well, I say pretty much, not pretty much, every day we have multiple, no, no, we have many multiples. We have exponential, no, we have lots of conversations. Lots of conversations. I know you do. I've seen you. Yeah, it's it's an everyday. It's all over us. I mean, Jake even calls me on the weekends. Hey, did you see what happened? I'm like, okay, yeah. So what effect does that have? So we start already, we start figuring out, okay, how's that going to affect things come Monday, right? So monitoring, we do that all the time. But what we really mean by monitoring here is we want the client to come in and we want to sit down and say, okay, so here's where we were. Here's where we are. Here's kind of what is happening in the world and in, you know, economically and in the market. And this is kind of where we think we're going. And then from that meeting, we will set our next meeting, which is generally 90 days, six months. It just depends on the client, how often they want to come back. We don't want to meeting them to death, but we certainly want to make sure that we keep a good open line of communication. This way, nobody's ever surprised. Nobody ever, we don't say, well, you know, I didn't know that, or I didn't anticipate that. We're always connected and people are connected to their money and what we're doing. So those are the five steps. We start with discovery, then comes analysis, then comes the planning phase, then implementation, and finally, it is monitoring. And if you're listening to this and you go, boy, that sounds pretty darn good to me. I want to get in and talk to these fellows. Certainly, you can do that. No cost, no obligation. Most importantly, no judgment. Everybody puts their pants on the same way. Randy Jake will meet you where you are. To get your plan, 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233. If you want to find out more about the firm online and request your plan there, you can do it by going to floydfinancialgroup.com. Well, gentlemen, we are about out of time for this week. I hope our listeners have uh, enjoyed our program today. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Jade. Get out, have a great weekend. 
in this great part of the country that we live in, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.